0: A new hobby I'm trying during the lockdown is embroidery.
1: During the lockdown, I've been learning how to play the ukulele. I love it. It's not a new hobby per se, but I've been focusing on all of my unfinished knitting projects and been making great headway. I'm doing gardening. I have been spending time propagating plants and trying to get better at embroidery, which is not going well. But the idea is there and that's what counts watching the Royal New Zealand Ballet. Was baking a hobby? Is I think I've always kind of enjoyed baking but never felt I had time. I've had so much time during lockdown. I've baked so much and, you know, my hips and my ass show it. But, you know, if you can count that as a new hobby or just being able to have that time to actually bake stuff. Fiji cakes, cream puffs, you name it, I've probably baked it. So those were just a few of the answers people sent in when we asked what new hobbies they'd picked up during the lockdown. And later on, our producer Katie Gossett is taking a deeper look at the changes some people are thinking of making permanent, even after this crisis ends. Kia ora, I'm Indira Stewart and this is the final episode of the Coronavirus Podcast podcast. Tomorrow, we are going to post a bit of a roundtable chat with our team, just looking back on all that's happened since this podcast began. But other than that, this is the end of the road. And honestly, that's a good thing. It means that we've all worked really hard to crush the spread of this disease. And the reality is, you don't need a dedicated daily coronavirus podcast anymore. As Jacinda Adun pointed out yesterday, Those frightening days when the virus seemed to be spreading out of control are now well behind us.
2: The last case of community transmission where the source of the case was unknown was early April. That means we've had three full transmission cycles with no new cases of community transmission recorded in New Zealand. We have not seen any new clusters emerge for more than a month. This gives us a high degree of certainty that there is no community transmission in New Zealand. But our journey is far from over, COVID-19 is still present in New Zealand and it is certainly still present around the world. And while that remains the case, there will be work to be done and there will be risk that needs to be managed.
1: So we're not at the end of the journey, but hopefully we are at the beginning of the end, at least for this part of the story. We had no new cases of COVID-19 yesterday, and as those numbers stay low and as we all work together to keep them low, we're winning ourselves more freedom. Today, bars and pubs are reopening, albeit with strict social distancing rules, and Ms Adern says the government plans to steadily increase the size of gatherings permitted under Level 2.
2: So as we progress through Level 2, we plan to regularly adjust our settings to allow more activity when the data says it's safe. The first settings check-in will come on Monday, when Cabinet will consider increasing the size of gatherings – Currently, this sits at 10. If the data leading up to Monday continues its positive run, we will have more confidence to lift the size of gatherings. And very importantly, that does apply um, to things like church services. As we move through Level 2 and continue to have better data on which to make further decisions, that will include the opportunity to further increase the size of gatherings again. We will also have the option down the track of potentially relaxing certain physical distancing restrictions, such as on buses and on planes. Many of you will know that at the moment physical distancing requirements means that they are running under full capacity, I believe for planes at 50%. We are hopeful this phased de-escalation will continue our success to date while avoiding the surge in cases other countries have experienced as they moved out of lockdown. Time will tell, but at this stage we remain cautiously optimistic.
1: The Prime Minister says Cabinet will review the settings of Level 2 every fortnight to match the 14 days it takes for symptoms of COVID-19 to appear. The Government hasn't said much about when we might move all the way down from Level 2 to Level 1, but Ms Ardern hinted that it will be at least several weeks, if not months.
2: You can see by the fact that we are stepping in that we're using um, two weekly transmission cycles. That'll give you a bit of a sense of the timeframes that we're that we're anticipating. But again, all of this is about opening up as quickly as we can, but as safely as we can. And by giving ourselves a bit of room so that if something goes wrong, it's not straight back to three, we've got some containment measures still in place.
1: And finally, the government's new contact tracing app launched yesterday, and Dr Ashley Bloomfield says it's already had a big
3: uptake. It's something like a digital diary that people can use by scanning QR codes at locations that they visit, Uh, and those QR codes are based on the um, nationally used New Zealand business number. been a lot of interest in the app already. I'm pleased to say over 92,000 people have already registered on the app. The Ministry of Business, uh, Innovation and Employment is in the process of contacting some 800,000 businesses around New Zealand to uh, let them know about the process for generating a QR code that is unique to their business number. Uh, And already 1,000 businesses have created the posters and they are getting um, new registrations at around 10 per minute. At this point, The app does not replace, uh, but rather complements other actions that businesses are taking to record who has been on the premises. Subsequent releases of the app uh, will have functionality that will allow um, people to not only be registered, but if there is a case notified for a message to be pushed out to people who may have been in a particular business at a point in time when they may therefore be a close contact.
1: If you haven't downloaded that app already, it's called NZ COVID Tracer. It's available on the Google Play Store for Android and the App Store for iPhones. The Level 4 and 3 lockdowns have meant a lot of changes for New Zealanders. Some of them were things we couldn't wait to escape, but others we might like to keep. So our producer Katie Gossett spoke to some big organisations and to Ordinary Kiwis to find out what changes they've made under lockdown that they're going to try to make permanent. I've spent weeks walking around my local suburb. At
4: times, it was like a ghost town. Sometimes, depending on the time of day or evening, I was the only person on the street, but not anymore. For the last week or so, things have been changing. The cars are shooting by, heading back to offices, schools, take-out coffees and workplace banter. And this week, that was me too, driving my daughter into town For her first day back at school.
1: It's going to be weird.
4: But the last few weeks have been pause for thought, and not just for me.
3: We've actually enjoyed it. (laughs) I quite enjoyed it being at home with the kids and that. Home cooked meals. Yeah, and having the time.
1: Honestly, it comes down to the main focus, actually realigning our priorities. <laughs> because we were in the fast life, it was like, oh, that's okay, the kids are fed, kids are in bed, it's okay, but I guess we miss the time with them, the, just, just the little things, you know? Yeah.
3: We it's don't spend do much it. time with our kids, but this is 24 hour,
5: which is quite interesting. <laughs>
1: We've survived.
5: <laughs> like, just slowing down, knowing that what matters, priorities at home, and what When you're working, when you're busy, you're assuming, man, I wish I had time with the kids. But now that you have time, the focus is on family and kids.
1: It actually really opened our eyes, perspective of change. It's like, man, you know, again, realigning back to kids, you know, making sure we have time, and we do now, which is great. And, yeah, hoping and praying that we'll continue that. And that's the thing. It seems like a
4: lot of us have had a kind of epiphany because those philosophical changes you've just heard are also borne out by the statistics.
0: What we've seen over the various levels of lockdown is a change in behaviour.
4: That's Drew Broadley, who heads up Data Ventures. It's the commercial arm of StatsNZ, and it uses anonymous aggregated phone data to give a sense of what we've been up to for the last wee while. And so what
0: we've been able to do is just see day by day and even hour by hour numbers of people in areas and some members of New Zealand. And that's really helped tell a story of how people have gone through lockdown. Have they moved? Have they stayed local? And what was really good is Level 4 demonstrated that we did a a fantastic job.
4: But then, when the alert level shifted,
0: so did we. What we're seeing right now is that people have absolutely run back into their weekends. So they've come back and gone, wahoo, uh, and the weekends are... We can get back into the thing we normally did, and there's even a spike almost above and beyond what a normal weekend would have been prior.
4: So people might be getting out and about, but what's happening with work?
0: Definitely the thing I'd say is that we're seeing workplace as flattened out. There are definitely people coming back to work, but not as many. Ultimately, it looks like a lot of people are either working from home or unemployed. That is something that we, we can't absolutely tell.
4: But they're keeping an eye on that too. Will
0: businesses go back to working from the workplace or they continue working from home because now everyone's sort of set up for that? That's something we're looking to, to monitor.
4: And that's the burning question for a lot of people because while many will be very relieved to still have a job and eager to get back to so-called normality... Others may have revised their idea of what normal is. There's been plenty of talk throughout the lockdown of good habits established. Endless stories about sourdough bread, people baking, biking, exercising, yoga, changing their ways.
3: I'm stuck in isolation, but it's not so bad. Because every day at one, I get to see my man. He's got blonde hair, he's got that face, he knows just what to say. The way he speaks makes me feel like it's gonna be okay. Dr. Ashley.
4: And I'm sure, like me, lots of people have been really heartened by what I'm gonna call the COVID creativity. Songs, memes, and skits that have gone viral. So can some of that creativity be turned to a new way of working? Twitter has become the first major tech company to allow employees who can work remotely to do so permanently. If Twitter can do it, can New Zealand organisations follow suit?
6: We knew that each individual could do it, but when you have a thousand people trying to do it, what sort of strain does that put on the system?
4: Back to NZ, and this time it's the chief executive, Mark Soudon. Part of the reason he knew it could be done is that almost half his staff had to do it back in 2016.
6: We were actually pretty lucky that um, the vast majority of our office staff can just pick up their laptops and walk out the door because when we had the 2016 earthquake, we lost a lot of our IT infrastructure and so we had built IT infrastructure and given people the right IT equipment that actually supported mobile working. It was a bit
4: trickier though when it came to his 200 field workers. They're the ones who knock on our doors, collecting data about our attitudes on things as well as household incomes, unemployment and child poverty. And while they were soon set up with the technology to make mass phone calls, it did mean a drop in quality data.
6: With the actual interviewers, we do want to go back to -to face-to-face because you do get a better response rate and you get richer data.
4: But COVID-19 has brought one side benefit.
6: I tell the story, it's kind of done us three years' worth of work in about three months um, in terms of some of those data sourcing.
4: What he means is that the field staff also collected price information from supermarkets to help measure inflation. But during the lockdown, the supermarkets provided that data directly.
6: So we actually get their price data at source now, and um, that's going to be interesting because that actually is a much easier way of doing things, and so my challenge is going to be how do we keep those arrangements in the new world? We have been in negotiations with them for a year or so, up until this point, and my argument very much will be, well, it's worked for the last little while and we've proven that we can keep your data safe and confidential, so why can't we do it on an ongoing basis?
4: Meanwhile, it'll be a gradual return to the workplace for his other staff. The plan is still to be mostly office-based, but Mark Souden says he'll work through alternatives with anyone who feels unsafe in the work environment.
6: We'll make more use, I think, of working from home. We were moving towards allowing staff to work from home more anyway, just purely from a flexible working type um, arrangement. But I think what this has done is probably sped that up, but we will still be predominantly an office-based working culture.
4: It's an issue the Department of Conservation will be looking at too.
7: A lot of our staff are telling us that they enjoyed not having to commute every day and also having more flexibility throughout the day to be able to spend time with family.
4: That's the department's Deputy Director of People, Ginny Bedley. Most conservation work was deemed non-essential during the lockdown and so about 2,500 staff headed home to work. They kept in touch with a rapidly set up Microsoft Teams programme.
7: It was more of a collaborative platform that we'd never used before. And now we're finding uh, people are actually using it for all of their team meetings. And I don't think, you know, pre-COVID, we would never have anticipated that we would have been able to do that in, in a six to eight week
4: period. The department also grabbed an opportunity to reset its health and safety policy, putting all staff through the same training modules before fieldwork started up again in Level 2.
7: It's really hard when you run a a large and distributed organisation, so with staff in 110 locations. You You never get the opportunity to restart safety where everybody at the same time is able to go through those learning modules.
4: But where to from here? Down the track, it seems likely the department will adopt a more flexible approach to work
7: think that um, you know the, the disruption caused by you know and moving your entire workforce um, to be able to work remotely and to be able to work much more flexibly. You know we'd be crazy if we didn't look to determine what it was that we could leverage out of that experience. And so being able to articulate what are some of those shifts in mindsets and and also this desire to work differently into the future. You know, prior to COVID, we'd started to see an increase in people wanting to work flexibly, but I guess the crash course that we experienced in working from home, you know, proved that we really can do it and we can do it rapidly.
4: COVID also struck at a time when DOC was already working to meet a deadline for government services to be flexible by default by the end of 2020.
7: What it required us to be able to do was to have um, all of our jobs flexible by default. So it's really accelerated that. What has happened is people have been able to see how possible it is. So, you know, almost gotten over that fear.
4: The lockdown's also shown that companies can be more sustainable.
7: You know, what we're able to do is significantly reduce our carbon footprint, both in terms of um, of travel um, that our staff do, but also just to be more conscious about the work that they would be able to do from home, uh, rather than travelling to do that. Similarly, being able to use tools like Microsoft Teams to run team meetings, It means that in the future we probably don't need to do as much travelling to connect with our people as before. But of course, you know, that is about balancing the need for face-to-face and the important, you know, kind of social
4: connections that we have. And now they've had a taste of that flexibility, some New Zealanders are looking at how they can keep it in their lives.
5: It's definitely made me um, think about things and have a bit of a reassessment. Like I work in the centre of town and I have to commute about 15 ks each way each day and it's made me realise that I can do what I need to do from home. The only downside would be you miss that social interaction side of it but it's been nice not having to grind through traffic every morning. We've saved heaps on petrol and it's just a bit more of a relaxed start to the day. You can get up, you can walk around the block before you start your day and then Do it in sort of set blocks, do a couple of hours, have a cup of tea and um, seeing a bit more of the kids. Yeah, long term, I might have a word to my manager, I think, and see if I can do a bit more from home.
4: But not everyone has the option of working from home. Chris Clark is a builder and the lockdown was a bit of a mixed bag for him. On the one hand, a bit stressful.
3: Being self-employed,
6: it's a bit difficult knowing there's going to be work there, you know, with people losing their jobs, is any work going to be happening? Just the uncertainty, really.
4: But on the other hand, kind of
6: awesome. On a personal level, it's been great, really, spending the time with the kids. It's been valuable.
4: With work coming back on stream now, he'll be into a 40-hour week or more, but...
6: I think I'd probably more, once you're at home, just leave work at work, you know, to a degree. Once the kids go to bed... You know, jump into the office then, but just forget about working at home and just give them your attention, really, because that's what they've wanted the whole time.
4: Some people will have more influence on how they work than others, but maybe there are things we can all do to hang on to the good stuff that's left over from the lockdown. When I listen back to those comments from New Zealanders... One word leaps out at I wish me. I had time with
1: the we miss the time with them. The yeah,
4: time we don't spend do
3: much this. time with our Making kids. Making sure we
4: have time and have the time to to stop. And that will be a key part of whether any of us can keep the personal changes we've made during the lockdown. If we can prioritise our time better in small ways, maybe all the sourdough starters won't be left to languish, and the people will keep doing downward facing dog, and families might manage a better work life balance.
5: It does make you realise that in our society, it can become a treadmill not only for the adults, but for the kids as well. I've got a teenage daughter and she said to me at one point, oh, Dad, we should get a break like this every year. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, oh, it's just so nice just not to have to get up early every day to go to school. And it made me think that um, it is hard on the kids as well as the adults.
1: Just make time. We have to start making time for each other, you know, and be there for one another.
3: That's the main thing, eh?
1: Thanks so much, Katie, and thanks to all of you for coming with us on this journey. We've really enjoyed all the messages you've sent in, and it's been a privilege to bring you the updates every day. As a team, we're really proud that a lot of New Zealanders have played their part and still are in fighting COVID-19 here. Our world has changed a lot, but we've still got to be vigilant. As the focus also shifts to rebuilding our economy, look out for each other. Support New Zealand businesses as much as you can. Buy local, stay safe, and be kind. I'm back on our morning program, first up at 5am on weekdays, your first news of the day, so you can tune into that. But our team will be back with you tomorrow for that final chat. But for now, ka kite ano. The Coronavirus Podcast is presented by me, Dara Stewart. It's produced by William Ray, Sonia Sly and Katie Gossett. Our sound engineer is Adrian Holley. The executive producer is Tim Watkin you can subscribe to the coronavirus podcast anywhere. It's free. Just go to the podcasts and series page at rnz.co.nz. While you're there, check out RNZ's daily news podcast, The Detail. They've relaunched this week and are doing a deep dive into a news story every single day.